Come on. The strong, the powerful Mark Willis has returned to Lifeblood. Welcome back, Mark. Oh, so glad to be on, George. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, always great to have you on. Mark is a CFP. He's with Lake Growth Financial Services. He's helping people get more focused on their financial lives, gain greater control of their situations, growing their nest egg with certainty, resulting in greater peace of mind. Excited to have you back on, Mark. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, the best, I guess, scenario uh, or summary I can give, and thank thank you again for having me on, uh, is just, you know, looking for, you know, I've learned in life that there are fewer things than we believe that we can truly control. Life doesn't exactly always give you a, a dozen roses. So we can't control as much as we think we can. However, we can influence more than we think we can. So that's my distinction, and that's kind of what's got me, like, revved up and rocked and rolling right now. You know, sometimes life gives you a torrential downpour, but you can always be ready to influence your situation. You can carry that umbrella. You know, you can have that raincoat. You can influence your environment and you can create an environment that influences the kind of future you want to create for yourself. So that gets me pumped, man. That gets me out of bed in the morning, just ready to serve and help uh, and create a better future for our clients all around the country. Nice. Well, I appreciate that. And it's interesting, right? Sometimes it's like this, uh, it's almost like a binary thing. It's like, I have no control over what's going to happen to me. And that's probably true, but you can influence it more than you think. So right. mm-hmm. I think that that's great. And, you know, just because it downpours doesn't mean that I'm just unprepared for it and I'm going to get drenched. You can do the things that you were talking about. I think that that's great. Um, are there how 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 else are you thinking about that? How 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 are you applying that? Well, yeah, the 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 simplest is the environment where your money lives. Where you keep your money will influence how it acts. You know, a a four hundred one k in particular has a certain uh, characteristic to it, uh, and uh, it's different than say real estate or other financial strategies that you might employ in your life. And so what do you want your money doing for you? I don't have an answer to that question. You know, to keep with that metaphor of the down downpour, you know, maybe your best day is getting soaked in a in, in a downpour rain. You know, maybe that's that's what you wanted out of your day today, right? right? <laughs> um, but, you know, so we shouldn't presume that until we've had that conversation with clients. And so I'll sit down and have a one-on-one advisory meeting with clients, one-on-one, either me or my advisors and friends that and colleagues and business partners that I work with, We'll have that consultation with folks. You just had a wonderful, uh, incredible colleague of mine, Amanda Neely, on recently. And she's one of the best people I know in the world to, to handle and manage people's financial future. And so, you know, she and I both, we would have a one-on-one meeting with clients. We'd sit down and say, hey, what do you want your money doing for you? And how is it doing now? How is it doing now? Most people go through their whole career and life, whatever, without really stopping to ask themselves that question. Like, um, you know, what do I want? And is where my money today doing what I want it to do for me? Uh, once we've answered those two questions, we can really get a plan together. You know, I, I, you know, a lot of the financial planners, so-called financial, oh-so-average financial planners, uh, will just throw everything in the market, good stocks, uh, uh, bond portfolio. Maybe it's even worse. Maybe it's a target date fund or an index fund. 
uh, tied to a 401k. And they'll never ask their, their clients, their unsuspecting clients, hey, do you think <laughs> taxes are going to be lower or higher in the future? Now, just asking yourself that question, 99% of the clients I meet with tell me, Mark, I believe over the long term, taxes are going up. Now, right there, if that's true, if, it, if, if taxes are even 1% higher in the future, then mathematically, it makes no sense to put money into a 401k, which defers that tax, not eliminates, defers that tax until a future date when taxes will be up. And if taxes are way higher, not just 1%, but way higher in the future, then we all just gave a massive gift to our Uncle Sam. And he's not my uncle. I have actually written him a nice letter saying he is not my uncle. I still pay him every year for citizenship and all that good stuff. <laughs> uh, but my, my best outcome here is to give folks uh, freedom and influence over their future. And uh, the part of that is just deciding for yourself, where do you want to go? Where do you want to take this one precious life you've been given? I love it. Yeah, a lot of talk about asset allocation and stuff like that, but not a lot of talk about asset location where where your money is living and the environment and i think that that's such a great way to think about it certainly a very different way to think about it and so if you're listening you've never thought about it like that well let's you know encourage you to dig into where your money's actually living and is it what you want and are you going to get the result that you want in the future and better to look at that now than to just wait and find out right right well and and so the very wealthy among us, and I'll share a quick um, sort of in investigative report that was recently dumped from ProPublica. They're, they're a newsroom that, that recently got a vast trove of IRS data from the Treasury Department. So somebody illegally leaked all these people's tax returns and made it public. Uh, and it just so happens these people were the 25 wealthiest people in the world, <laughs> uh, including Jeff Bezos, uh, Carl Icahn, jo George Soros, um, one of your George brothers, man, I guess, yeah. um, Mark Zuckerberg, Rupert Murdoch, <laughs> all these Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, all these incredibly wealthy people, their actual tax returns were released. Um, and, and, and we were able to see how they influence their future. They can't control life any more than we can. You know, it still rains on the wealthiest among us, but they have found ways legally, of course, to influence their situation such that they pay little or no taxes. And that's a tremendous relief to, to a lot of folks who feel the burden of crushing national debt and other strategies that uh, I think are going to be weighed upon us over the next 10, 20, 40 years. And so I'd be happy to share a bit about what we found in that, uh, in that uh, data dump. Yeah, it's I I I I I'm excited to to, to learn. It's just it, it's an exercise in just the complexity of our tax code, and it's it invites, you know, creativity, whatever term that you want to use. But we shouldn't be surprised when the tax code is voluminous that people are going to take advantage of it. So, what are some of those takeaways? Well, yeah, you know, the first fifty to hundred pages of the tax uh, tax code is all the ways in which the government can tax you. And then the remaining several thousand pages are all the legal and appropriate ways we can avoid, not, not evade, but avoid paying taxes totally legally. And so that's, that's a, a key insight, that the majority of the tax code are legal means by which you can avoid legally paying taxes. And there's nowhere in the Constitution, there's nowhere, nowhere in the tax code that says they, that we are forced to pay a single dollar more than we're legally obligated to pay. And so that's an important piece to the puzzle. 
Uh, I mean, if you really want to donate to the U.S. government, I'm sure they'd be willing to take your money. Uh, and there's plenty of potholes in, in Chicago area here. I'm sure there are <laughs> everywhere around the world um, that would be willing to fill those holes with your money. But if you are intending to pay as little out of pocket as legally possible, there's some strategies that are absolutely well known to, uh, according to this data dump, um, the very wealthiest. And, and it comes down to a strategy that's known as buy, borrow, die. So, guys, if you're listening, grab a pen, write those three words down. It's B U Y B R O double, uh, let's see, B O double R O W, and then D I E. Buy, borrow, die. Um, so, let's go through each of those in turn. So, like, you know, the, the, the best and most simplest way I can describe what the very wealthy do is they buy assets. That's step one. They buy large chunks of assets. And in particular, they look for assets, George, that do not pay out an income. Why is that? Well, if you're buying um, a rental property, for example, or if you're buying uh, a CD, a savings deposit, a CD, a certificate of deposit, or a money market account, or something like that, it's or dividend-paying stock, for example, that income that you receive will come back to you. And that, that sounds great, right? Sure. The problem is you'll be taxed on that income, that rental income, whatever. So, so having an asset that does not generate an income is like a beautiful thing, counterintuitive as it sounds. But if you're, you know, if you're up in the stratosphere of your tax bracket, or if taxes go dramatically higher, if you believe that taxes will go higher, you want to find assets that don't generate income. Okay. So what are some of those? Um, well, stocks that don't pay a dividend. That's one. Uh, other commodities like gold or silver or something, they don't you know, generate an income. Your home, unless you have an ATM machine in the backyard, that probably doesn't generate an income. Right. Uh, so things like those those assets that don't generate an income. So that's the first step. And the very wealthy, again, Mark Zuckerberg, he paid a billion dollars in taxes to buy back a bunch of his own Facebook stock. And of course, he's now one of the richest people in the world. But back in 2013, he had to pay a large chunk of money. He had to pay, buy his ticket onto this, you know, tra tax-free train. So that's the first step is to buy. Any uh, feedback or thoughts on that? No, I think that that does make sense. And again, it just if if we're not cognizant about these things, you know, we are building this 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 portfolio of rental properties, and we think it's and, and that, 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 that's awesome. It's just it's just not optimized, and that's really right, what you're talking right. about. Well, sure, and I'll show you guys as we go through a way that you know, even if you're not Mark Zuckerberg or Carl Icahn or Warren Buffett, how you can do this and even beat the wealthy at their own game. So hang, hang tight to the end. We'll talk about how we can do that. But you're right. I mean, real estate's a great tool for generating income and, and you can do some things like uh, depreciation and cost segregation and other tax saving strategies. Uh, the, but the item here is that rent will always come in. Mm-hmm. And eventually, we're going to get to a point where we have fully depreciated that home or rental property. And now all that rent is way, uh, is all taxable. Yeah. Right right when the taxes have gone way up. Hmm. You know, so let's say it took you 10 years to fully depreciate your house or 30 years or whatever it takes. And what's, what's tax rates going to be in 10, 20, 30 years? So if taxes are going to go up, if we believe that, and if we are depreciating our real estate right now, while taxes are low, that's not any different than a 401k, deferring right. that income. Okay, so, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of deferring root canals, so I'm not going to be a big <laughs> fan of deferring taxes. So that's the first step, is buying an asset that doesn't generate an income. The second step 
is borrow. B-O-R-R-O-W. I'll get it spelled right this time. So the idea is you borrow against that asset, and the tax code says that loans are not considered income, and therefore they're not taxable. So the very wealthy uh, will borrow against all of their highly appreciated stock or their real estate, uh, things that uh, they can they can pull assets, uh, pull loans against the assets. So they're using their asset as collateral for a loan. And that's how they live. That's how they fund their lifestyle. That's how they buy their yachts, whatever. They're borrowing against those highly appreciated assets, and they're living on that with no taxes due. And I don't care if it's a credit card or a student loan or a massive margin loan against your $12 billion stock portfolio like Elon Musk, whatever. You know, a loan is not considered income, no matter what your uh, financial sophistication. If it was considered income, you know, none of us could buy a house because we'd get a loan for 500 grand or 800, whatever the house was worth. And that's all taxable income. Boom. So that's the reason why taxes uh, are, are not uh, applied to borrowed money. Any feedback or thoughts or questions on yeah. that part? In fact, a lot of the time you get to deduct some of that interest. So That's right. That's right. Nice. Well, that's, that's so true. Yeah. So it's a tax advantage to borrow money. Uh, now, it's, and we're also very, very much in a low interest rate environment when it comes to, to borrowing. So what do we have? We have highly appreciated assets. We've got super low interest rates, which we can talk about why that might be, why we've got this scenario we're in. But I'll save that for maybe another podcast. Uh, but the idea here is we've got this wonderful place where we can borrow against our assets. And as long as the market keeps pumping up Facebook stock or Tesla stock or whatever, these guys and gals are going to live a wonderful life. And it's all going to be tax-free. So the the third and final step is die, D-I-E. And uh, yes, admittedly, George, we're not as enthused about this step in the process. Not as exciting. <laughs> but, yeah, but but you know it's going to come someday. So the idea would be, how do we? The government's looking for a way to kind of keep keep people, um, you know, going to the grave with without uh, taking their money with them. So you know, there's something called the estate tax, uh, where they would tax you on on the way out, so to speak. But the wealthy have set up strategies to avoid that as well, uh, one in which in- includes the a step up in cost basis of a lot of their stock. So their stocks were bought at 100 bucks a share. Now it's grown to 1000 bucks a share. And when you die, you can leave it to your family at the new higher 1000 bucks a share. Okay, so that's called a step up in basis. And that's how a lot of the wealthy get avo- avoid paying taxes on the way out and then pass on an incredible amount of wealth to the next generation. In fact, a third of the, the most wealthy people in the, in the country are children of the uh, wealth creators, you might say. Uh, so that's how the DIE, die step, uh, passes the wealth on with no taxes due on the way to the graveyard. Any uh, thoughts, feedback on that step? Yeah, no, it, that's a, it, is, it is an unfortunate reality of, of, of living and how we handle that, again, is, uh, is it's just... If you're just going to wait and right. see, well, then you are not influenced in the future. You are uh, not even trying to control it. So yeah, got to be proactive about that part of it too. Again, you might you might see like, a, a, let's compare it, right? So if your money is in a 401k or an IRA when you pass away, the government has a plan for that money too, and it's passed on to your children. Well, the children are now taking that money, and they have exactly 10 years to get the money out of that 401k. So let's say you had a million dollars that you didn't spend when you on the day you passed away, and you had a million bucks in your 401k. Okay, so what happens next? It's left to the children. The children now have to take 
let's just call it 110 grand a year or something with interest or whatever on the market. So they're taking 110 grand a year out of that 401k and paying taxes on it. And where do you think your kids are going to be at in their tax bracket, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now when you pass away, you know, or, or even 10 years from now, where will tax rates be? Where will your, your probably children are at their highest earning potential when you pass away and they're in their 50s, you know, you pass away in your 80s, whatever. So, so this is a great cash cow for the government to keep money inside your 401k. If you don't spend it and pay your taxes, it's going to be lumped onto your uh, in, uh, children. And mathematically speaking, if you've got two children, the math works out where the IRS is the greatest inheritor of your wealth. The greatest inheritor of your wealth. If you have two children and you leave your 401k to those kids, uh, we can talk about that if we have time for it. Uh, but let's talk about a solution rather than all these problems. I like um, it. <laughs> so, George, there's a way that I've found that allows us to follow that buy, borrow, die strategy in a way that is convenient and accessible to the likes of you and me and, and most of your listeners, uh, even if they're not, you know, Warren Buffett or um, you know, George Soros or whoever else. And, you know, funny enough, one of the best kept secrets of the very wealthy, including, uh, Mr. Rockefeller was using whole life insurance as a means to buy, borrow, die. Here's what he did. And here's what his family continues to do. And then if we have time, love to get your thoughts on it. So he purchased and purchased and, and his whole family now purchases whole life insurance policies on every family member. They buy an asset. Whole life insurance does not kick out an income. So it, it checks that box. It qualifies as an asset that doesn't generate income. Warren Buffett hasn't taken dividends off Berkshire Hathaway since, 1960, since the 1960s for this exact reason. He intentionally suppresses a dividend. Well, this is a way you can take an asset like whole life insurance and intentionally not take income, not realizing any income, and that's all tax, uh, no taxes due when you buy that asset. So you're buying that ticket, just like Mark Zuckerberg did with his stock. You're buying that whole life insurance. And you can do that for a couple hundred bucks a month or a couple hundred grand a year, whatever your budget is, you know, for saving. So you pack money into a whole life policy that's specially designed. We call them bank on yourself designed whole life policies. And the first step is to just buy that asset. The next step is whole life insurance will let us borrow against the life insurance. So we can take step two and borrow against that asset and no taxes are due. Whether we're 35 years old or 85 years old or anywhere in between, you can get money out of that policy with no taxes due. The tax law again says that loans are not considered income by the IRS and that includes whole life insurance loans. Now the very interesting thing about uh, the very wealthy strategy is that the Facebook stock and Tesla stock that thing's going to grow or shrink regardless of whether or not uh, Zuckerberg or whoever takes a loan, right? The market doesn't care if if, if uh, Elon Musk is financing his lifestyle with, with uh, loans against his Tesla stock. And the same is true with this very special form of whole life insurance. Not all whole life insurance does this. But you can borrow against the life insurance cash value and it will continue to grow as if you hadn't touched a dime of the money. So let's say, George, I've got 100 grand of cash in my policy, and I want to go buy a car. So I'll borrow against that policy, 30 grand, whatever, and I'll go buy a car. So I'm driving my car around town, but that policy is still growing and earning interest as if I had the full $100,000 in there. 
even on the capital I borrowed. So just like the very wealthy, we can play their game, but I'd say we can even beat them at their own game. How so? Well, tell me, is Facebook stock guaranteed to grow every year for the rest of Mark Zuckerberg's life? No. No, no. Could they possibly see their empire come crumbling down someday? I hope not for their sake, but it's possible, right? It's possible. Um, whole life insurance is guaranteed to grow by the insurance company. It's guaranteed to grow every single year for the rest of my life, your life, anyone listening. That's an Im- impressive advantage over the uber wealthy. So that's the step two is borrow. Finally, step three, life insurance. It's life insurance. So we'll pass away someday, hopefully a long time from now. But when that day comes, that's a, an incredible windfall that's income tax-free. Tax law says it's income tax-free to leave money to your family or favorite charity, whatever. You can leave your death benefit to your family, totally income tax-free, after living on the cash value, borrowing out money, whatever, and spending that money tax-free. This is an incredible way to allow our families then to receive a giant windfall. And what do they think they're going to do with that money? Well, if they're you know trained and, and, and taught in this strategy, they're going to go buy some more whole life insurance on all the kids and grandkids and everybody else. Uh, that's what the Rockefellers have done for these last many generations. Uh, and it's what regular families that we work with all the time across this country are doing too. And the virtual, the virtuous cycle continues. That's right. That's right. It's the best golden ticket ever. Although I will tell you, you don't want to just, here's a, here's a gotcha in the, in the whole, in the whole mix. You cannot just create a bunch of money and give it to your family. You can't because what happens? They blow it, right? Mm. So you've got to prepare the people for the money. Don't just prepare the money for the people. That's a principle no matter where you keep your cash, whether it's life insurance or, God forbid, a 401k. (laughs) But, you know, you've got to prepare those people to receive what they're about to get. So we've had regular occasions where we'll sit down with grandma, grandpa, and their extended family, their children and grandchildren. And I've had meetings over Zoom where I'll talk to the kids and grandkids. Hey, here's what grandma and grandpa have set up for you guys. Here's what we're going to, you know, ask you to do before you can receive this money. And they'll set up a trust or whatever to make sure that happens. But we'll set it up where the kids have to, say, graduate college. Or maybe they borrow from the bank of mom and dad a few times. You know, they'll, hey, hey mom, I need a car. Well, they'll borrow from their policy and give it to the son or daughter. Son and daughter have, have to pay back that loan before they can have access to any more cash. So lots of ways you can train your children and your grandchildren to really respect the family bank. But once you do that, once you've got both the money and the people prepared, you can absolutely change a generation and change your future or at least influence it. I love it. That's what we're talking about. Beautiful. Well, Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Well, I'll tell you, again, go back and listen to Amanda Neely's episode that uh, she was just recently on, I believe, George. So guys, go check her out. But um, if you would like to chat with us, you can go to notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com. That's notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com. You can find the button that says request a meeting right there. I'd love to chat for 10, 15 minutes. See if buy, borrow, die makes sense in your situation. Love it. If you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Mark your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com. Click the request meeting button and find out if this strategy is right for you. Thanks again, Mark. Come on. (laughs) And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.